we just always do something to really memorialize that. In fact, it's going to be part of the entire service that you're going to see. So, all right. I used to think of soldiers as people who are just doing their duty. Good guys, yeah, but no names, no faces, no histories. They all blended together, all that camo and marching in line. Sir, yes, sir, you can't handle the truth. Combat in a jungle kind of stuff. Makes for good movie scenes. Dramatic moments of sacrifice. Then, my best friend's kid signed up. And I stood by watching the start of sacrifice. Early morning runs. Endless drills. the pursuit of collective perfection. He was joining the ranks of countless brave men and women who gave up their freedom to protect mine. They lost time and friends and limbs and innocence. Their sacrifice started with a pledge, a code, an oath. It started with a heart to serve, a commitment to give, a promise to put others first. To those men and women, the sons and daughters, the brothers, sisters, husbands and wives, who serve, give, sacrifice, protect, we thank you. Thank you for starting. Amen. If you've served, would you please stand? Okay, if you've served, would you please stand? Okay, keep going. I know there's a lot more. Come on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I love that video because it starts, the sacrifice, you know, on, on the other one, Memorial Day, we memorialize those who have actually died. On this day, we thank those who sacrificed 
And I love what that video points out at the very beginning. <laughs> right from the moment that they made a decision to go on a different road. That they were doing something, that they were giving up their freedom so that we could have ours. I, I, just, I just love that. And I want to say a prayer. And I just ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, you're the ultimate sacrifice. You're the one who came and from birth was destined to die. And destined to pour your life out for other people. And in Jesus' holy and precious name, we want to thank you, God, that you have kept that spirit alive in us who are willing to do things that mean sacrifice on our parts to make a difference in someone else's life. Not for our benefit, someone we might not even know, might not ever even meet, likely won't ever meet. In Jesus' holy and precious name, God, I want to thank you that you have kept that spirit alive. I want to thank you for those who have responded to that call and I ask you, God, to let them have a well-done, good, and faithful servant in their heart today. That they would know that what they have sacrificed has been appreciated. And that we have, been, we have picked up the mantle of it to continue to serve, to continue to pour our life out, to continue to go after things which are most precious, which is rarely, if ever, ourselves. So thank you, Lord. Bless them. Continue to cause your favor and your Holy Spirit, your, your blessings to fall on this country that people would all be oriented to that. It's the only way that we thrive in you and in general. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, thank you. Help us to all pick up that mantle that they have started. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Thank you. Now, you're going to see how all of these things kind of come together because we're going to do yet another thing. And this is Persecuted Church. And technically, Persecuted Church was last Sunday, but because we were gone, because we were gone for uh, the marriage retreat, I really wanted to be here to do that. This is a very important day for me and something that I, I deeply and highly value. So... Uh, the first thing that I want to do, and thank you guys for being on the stick back there because I know you've got a complicated day going, but I do want to say you've been noticing out in the, in the lobby for the last three, four weeks now, we've had a kiosk that has had a bunch of stories of persecuted Christians around the world. This is happening all over the world all the time. I mean, there's more people being persecuted today than all of the rest of, the, all the rest of time added together. Okay? So persecution is huge, and it's going on mightily, and we saw a bunch of that, but I do want to share a good story here. In fact, this is going to be kind of a different Persecution Sunday than we would normally do because of the way we're doing it, but I want you to see, this is one of the guys that was on our board, and from the time that we put him on the board until now, he's been released, and he was in jail for 312 days. So it wasn't like he was there for a couple of days, and then he got released. He was there for 312 days, and because of letters because of prayers, because of people acting on this thing, they released him, okay? So you just need to understand, this is not for nothing, okay? These are our brothers and sisters around the world who need a voice. Their governments need to hear their voice. 
So one of the things that we have done is, is we've put in your bulletins, as we do every year, we've put a copy of Voice of the Martyrs. I'd love it if you'd start subscribing to it. They will keep you updated on these kinds of things. And the bottom line is, is they'll give you requests. They'll give you people to pray for and where to write letters and what things to do that make a real difference in this issue in the world, okay? So I'd love for you to, like I say, at least acquaint yourself with this. And, uh, you know, there are other places. What was the name? Faith, are you here? Uh, Faith, thank you for helping with this. And she doesn't want any credit for it. So, but what was the name of that other website? And that's prisonersalert.com. And so the prisoneralert.com. Did you hear that? You take a half sheet and it's on there. And that's another excellent website to just subscribe to. And it, again, it'll give you quick information and easy ways that you can then send letters, do prayers, make a difference. Okay? Now, what's that? Uh, it's in the lobby. It's that triangular thing that we used to use a few years back. Is that what I, is I was saying the right thing? Okay. All right. Now, I am going to do something here. I'm about to show you a video. And in a very real way, I want to say, this video is definitely about the fact that there's persecutions of Christians going on in the world, because in part, he was being persecuted for that. But I think when you see the thing, you're going to see, they probably were more worried about him being a spy than a Christian. However, this is in Iran, and there are massive amounts of people that are being persecuted for their Christianity in Iran. But the reason why we picked this particular video is because it actually fits really well with the sermon and just the whole spirit of what we're really going after in a, in a kind of broader, deeper way. And again, it'll take the sermon to bring this into view quite properly, okay? But I, I want you to hear this guy's testimony. This is on CBN. Uh, CBN is really good about checking their facts. They don't show stuff that isn't true. And so I want you to see this testimony here of this guy. Oh, I'm supposed to click it, sorry. Me and a friend felt like we were supposed to go on a two-week visit into Iran. And uh, had a great time. And uh, fell in love with the country, fell in love with the people. While we were leaving the country, it was crossing the border. We hand in our documents to be stamped out of the country. And we didn't get them back. And it was about six hours later that they finally came back to us and said, there's a problem with your documents. And the reality is that I had dealt with before I went, like, what if you have a problem? What if there could be complications being an American? Yeah, it all came to the surface. And I realized, wow, I could really have a problem. Like, this is for real. And um, yeah, in my walk with the Lord and in many dangerous places, I've always seen God come through. And all of a sudden, the thought hit me, well, what if this is different? They separated me and my friend, took me into another room, and there they beat me for about six hours, kicking me and hitting me. After those six hours, they dragged me back down to the lobby where I met my friend again who had been beaten in another room. They put us in prison clothes, and they blindfolded us again, and then they led us down this basement, and they put me into one prison cell, and my friend into another one. And there I was in prison in Iran. It was out of my hands. There was nothing I could do. Either God would do a miracle or I would stay there. There was no sense of feeling God. I, I felt like God was far away. All I could really trust in was his character. 
and that his character would be true no matter what I was feeling and no matter what circumstance I was going through. They put me in a cell in isolation, had a light in one corner, and that was on 24 hours a day. It was in the winter time, there was actually snow outside, but the heater didn't work well. They only let me out of the room to be interrogated, which was once a day or sometimes not at all. And then they would lead me down this hallway and take me into the interrogation room, which was an ugly room. It had blood stains on the floor, very dark and murky. It was definitely the most terrifying part of the whole experience. The beatings would start and it would be slapping in the face, hitting in the stomach, sometimes kicking. God began to challenge me with his love for our enemies. And he said this, he's like, Dan, ask me what I think about this man. And he asked me the question about the man who was my interrogator, the man who beat me, the man who seemed to hate me the most. And it was a few days into it that I finally asked God, okay, yeah, what do you think of this man? And at that moment, yeah, my heart opened up and I began to see God's love for this man how he loved him from the beginning, how he made him, how he loved his family. And I'll never forget the last day I saw him. I remember on this day thinking, oh my gosh, what's he gonna do today? And at that moment, I remember looking at him and I said this. I said, sir, if I'm gonna see you the rest of my life, every day, why don't we become friends? He's like, no, that's impossible. And I said, sir, you can start by telling me your name. And I stuck out my hand to him and I said, sir, let's be friends. And as I stuck out my hand to shake his hand, he just stood there and he froze. And after a few minutes, he started to shake. And then all of a sudden, I saw his hand creep towards mine and he shook my hand. And as he's shaking my hand, I saw these tears start to roll down his face. And for about 10 minutes, he just shook my hand and tears streaming down his face. And he finally looks at me and he says this. He's like, Dan, and he calls me by my name. My name is Razak, and I would love to be your friend. And it caused me to see that there is no heart too hard for Jesus. That he can change the hardest heart. God taught me to love my enemy. I heard these guards talking about the foreigners, me and my friend. They're Christians, they follow Jesus. And another one was said, oh, these foreigners, they knew they could have problems when they came here, but they have purpose. They've got a reason to live and a reason to die. And that's what I want. And I heard three of these men say, yeah, today we are going to follow Jesus. We are going to follow the way. And if that was part of the reason why God allowed me down there, uh, yeah, so be it. And just like, yeah, those guards in prison, I, I long for people to know today how good Jesus is, that he can rescue us in the midst of pain, in the midst of our shame, our brokenness. He wants to meet us, and that he is good, no matter what we're going through, and that he loves us. I found out indirectly that I was under two death sentences, one for being a missionary, one for being a spy. And again, in that prison, I heard executions, yeah, quite regularly. And it was my moment in a courtroom. I stood on the stand, hundreds of people in the room, video cameras, judges. And then came the question, tell us today, sir, why? Why did you come to Iran? Something rose up within me that, yeah, the power of God. And I remember looking at the judge and saying this, I came to Iran to tell you about Jesus Christ. 
And when I said that, I'm like, oh, what did I say? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I said it again. And then I said it again. And then something started to grow in my heart. And for about 20 minutes, I just preached the gospel. And I told everyone in that courtroom, and I told everyone who could hear me all about who Jesus is, all about how much he loved him. All of a sudden, I realized something. I am free. I am free. So what if they kill me? My life is bought by the blood of Jesus. My home is in heaven, and no one can take that away. And I realized that in the midst of death itself, God gave me the grace to stand up and speak the truth. And in doing so, it brought freedom in my heart, knowing that this life isn't it. There is more, and I'm going home one day, and no one can take that away. So I show that video because I want us to think about the persecuted persecution Sunday. There's two ways of thinking about it. One way is, is, oh my gosh, isn't it horrible that Christians are being persecuted in these really devastating, life-threatening, and, and even almost worse than dying ways, right? Not almost worse, worse than dying ways, right? But there's another way to look at it, and that is that this is an opportunity, that these are things that God does. The, the, the blood that has been spilled by the saints over the centuries has watered the moves of God. That's just the truth. If our theology isn't big enough to hold it, then our theology is wrong. And so I want us this Sunday to have a, a different thought about Persecution Sunday, which is it's part of what the Christian expansion of the kingdom of God under Christ is about. Now, in order to really top this moment off properly, I'm going to have Shadrach come up. So Shadrach, could you please come up? And Shadrach is new to the church. We just welcome him for a quick second. Okay. Shadrach, up there. If you could. Now, Shadrach is a minister. He comes to us with four square credentials and so on. And he was in Canada, but he's come here. And Shadrach's family was actually victims of persecution in India. His grandfather was poisoned to death. And his grandmother treated horribly afterwards. And his family, through that and other things that happened, has experienced this direct persecution. So what I've asked Shadrach to do is, as somebody who's been under this, who's seen this and seen God use it, I've asked him to come and to pray. Uh, and I'm not going to ask you to speak slowly so we all can really understand you well. But just, just love you. So uh, if you want to say something great, and then we'll go ahead and, and pray. Thank you. That was in 1932. My gra grandfather, maternal grandfather, was killed by the local villagers who were Hindus. And uh, he was uh, only 32 years old. And he had seven children. And he was a teacher and a preacher. So he had to pay a price for being a Christian. They poisoned to death. And my grandma, Margaret, I, I, know, I knew her, I grew up with her. She was an evangelist, and this death of my grandfather did not deter her to preach the gospel. She went to village to village and preached the gospel around that place where my grandfather was killed. Not only this, my paternal grandmother was a widow, my father, a young boy, my two aunts were 
Yang, and my grandmother, uh, paternal grandmother, was persecuted to abused because she was a Christian. She was not allowed to draw the water from the well, village well, although she was a midwife nurse helping the people. But she was abused, and lots of other things have happened. But my grandmother raised all seven children. My mother was the third one. Many of them became God's servants. Today I'm here. Uh, I'm serving the Lord. And uh, if, you're, if you're a Christian in India, you have to pay a price. That's a great price. So this what's happening even now. People are being abused by family members and so on. I'd like to pray. Let's close our eyes. Our gracious Heavenly Father, above Father, I enter your presence with praise and thanksgiving for the freedoms we have here. Lord, at the same time, I uphold fellow sisters and brothers in India, the subcontinent, and the elsewhere. Lord, who are being persecuted. Lord, if you will, spare them from the persecution. Lord, give them your grace, Lord. If not, let them glorify you in their persecutions. God, I pray, Lord, that you strengthen them. Give them endurance, patience, and hope. Moreover, Lord, let them glorify you in their tribulations and trials, Lord. God, I also, Lord, uphold your commandment. You asked us to bless those who persecute us and also pray for them. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, those who are undergoing persecutions, Lord. God, open the eyes of the persecutors, Lord. Bless them. I will bless them, Lord. We have no grudge on them. Lord, we pray that one day the God message of the gospel Amen. will penetrate their darkened hearts. Lord, let them come to know you, Lord, one day or the other. Let them have let them experience free freedom in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Shadrach. Shadrach has been ministering in prisons and all kinds of other difficult places for years and years. And I'm just really happy that his license is now coming under Lake Sam. And, and we're actually the ones who are going to be keeping his license active as a minister of Lake Sam. So just thank him as we go, as he goes. Thank you very much. Are we good? Okay. Okay. All right. I, I almost want, uh, would you, when you guys are doing the video for the web, would you guys go ahead and pick it up at the beginning of the video that I just showed? I want people that watch this later and so on to pick that up too. So could you do that? We don't have to edit. Just take it from there and go on through. Okay, uh, wow, huh, already. Wait till you see where we're going now, okay? Uh, because I want to welcome you to our series, and it's on Empowered, and I want to do this. Let's distill down to its very essence what it is that we're actually trying to accomplish in Empowered. Here's what it is, real simply. We're just trying to do the stuff that Jesus did. That's it, right? It's no more complicated than that in the end. 
And the reason why is because he told us that we would. And the reason why we're working on it so hard is because we've got this, this gulf between what we know could be happening. You know, there's a lot happening. There's already a lot of miracles here and a lot of things that God is doing. And there's a lot of movement of the Holy Spirit at Lake Sam. But the truth is, is we all know that it isn't anything compared to what Christ could be doing. And so we're trying to close the gap. We're trying to close that, right, bridge that gulf and figure out what's going on there. And in doing that, last week, Justine Morris gave what I can only say is an absolutely brilliant sermon. Because what she did was, is she came and she stripped away the facade of our Christian walk. You know what a facade is? There's, right, there's, just, there's a building, and maybe it's not even a nice building and so on, but you put a really ornate front on it, right? Like in old westerns, you know what I mean? There was, just a, there was just some wood in the back, you know what I mean? But you put a really nice front on it so that it looked good, right? And we all do that. We all have facades and so on. And what she did is she came, and she didn't let us hold on to anything left of our facades in this regard. She took a passage, which is incredibly difficult, and which we're going to look at. We're going to hit another part of it. And she took one part of that passage as a particular for the whole, something that's very common. She wasn't just going after this point. She was going after the whole. But she was saying, look, this is something that we're facing every single day, and we're not doing it. And what she said, what she was talking about was panhandling. And she said, you know, how many times a day are you confronted with a panhandler? How many times a day do you actually give them money? We'll juxtapose that with God saying, Jesus saying to us very clearly, give to everyone who asks. So we got a gulf, right? There's a difference between what we're doing, what we're doing, and what he's saying, right? There's a problem here. And what she did was, as she came, she's not, she's an incredibly wise woman. She knows, you know, we do a lot of benevolence out of this church, a ton of it. And you want to know what all the agencies that we work with, and we work with coordinating things and, and trying to do the right thing, these are well-meaning, godly people, okay? They love God, and they're trying to do right by these people, trying to help them in ways that are verifiable, that work, and that get better and better at it, and so on. And we network with churches to understand the stories of people that are going around asking for money. We do all kinds of stuff in order to get better at what we do, too. But here's one thing that every agency will tell you without fail— don't give to panhandlers. That's what they say. And they'll tell you why. And when you hear why, you go, yeah, that's pretty good. I shouldn't be doing that. And, and the problem is, is that we get into this pharisaical place. Remember the Pharisees. We always think of them as fundamentalists and horrible people and all this kind of stuff. Do remember something. The Pharisees were the ones that were trying to get it right. Everybody else was kind of blowing off God. The Pharisees were the ones that were saying this. The word is true. There's something wrong in us. And we need to match us with the word in order to get back to where God actually is. Because God's where the word is. Right? And so the point is, is that they were the ones that were trying to get people back into a certain place. And in so doing, somehow, in this incredibly ridiculous way that we can be as human beings, just inch by inch, step by step, decision by decision, wisdom by wisdom, they ended up getting themselves all the way over until they were completely diametrically opposed to God. And they were trying to get it right with him. They couldn't even recognize him when he was standing right in front of him. In fact, they killed him. <laughs> what? What Justine's sermon did for me last week when I talked to Jesse, he said this wonderful word. He said, I said, what'd you think of the sermon? And he said, well, I'm gonna have to rethink all my Christianity. I thought that was pretty good. When I listened to it, what I said was, is, dang it, I'm the Pharisee. 
I'm the one who, for all kinds of really good reasons, is doing something that turns out to be opposed, to be a gulf between what the Word says and what I'm doing. I'm the Pharisee. Shoot. <laughs> Didn't think I was. <laughs> you catch it? When we started this journey, I think that we had this thought in our minds about we're going to learn how to be empowered, which is to say we would love to move more fully in the things of God, wouldn't we? In the things that Jesus did, wouldn't we like that? I mean, you've got friends that are sick and, and family members and even people you don't know, but you just, you know, you get a heart for them and you want to move and you want to see them healed and you want to see them touched by God and brought into his presence and all of these kinds of things. I mean, this is, I think what we all thought when we started this journey was, is that, you know, God is going to take us on this journey so that we get better at what the things of God are. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to see something entirely different than that. Remember what we're doing. We're looking at Luke because we say that what Jesus did with his disciples was is that he trained them step by step so that eventually they got to where he wanted them to be. And what we are doing in Luke is, is we're stripping away all of the stories so that we can see the flow of God doing the very same thing with us, training us. Now, do remember this sermon that we're looking at, which probably is not a sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, by the way, just technical detail. It's probably another sermon that he gave. It might be a retelling of it, but it's probably another sermon. But the bottom line is, is what he's doing is he's just, in the book of Luke, he's just picked the disciples. Then he went and did some miracles, and the next thing he did was he started talking about what we're talking about right now. He, and, and here's what he did. When we read the Sermon on the Mount, what we have this tendency to do is to kind of just you know, we just instantly interpret it. We instantly see it through rose-colored glasses. When it says, you know, give to everyone, God doesn't say give to everyone. <laughs> when it says, you know, blessed are the poor, it doesn't say that. When it says, love your enemies, it doesn't say that. See what I mean? And then we instantly sort of interpret it in a way that fits with our life. And it ends up being at odds with the word. I want to tell you, think about this now. Two weeks ago, I stood up here, and in, in all truthfulness, I told you, as I'm going through this journey, watching how God, watching how Jesus trained the disciples and watching how God is trying to change me, trying to train me, what I said two weeks ago was, is God has just revealed something to me in a passage I'm quite familiar with and could have preached on another day about all the other things and everything else. But as I'm really sort of getting down and dirty with this, as I'm really trying to learn, God has just shown me something in a very familiar and even comfortable passage that I'm not willing to do. I want to want to do it, but I can tell you in no uncertain terms, I do not want to do what this word is telling me to do. And then the next, very next week, Justine stands up and says, I want to tell you, as I've really looked at what these words actually mean, I can't do this. Do you think there's a connection between our relative ineffectualness and our unwillingness to go to the place that he wants us to go? quickly let me say, you realize it's not works, right? You realize it's not that you could work your way into miracles. The issue is, is are we actually becoming Christ-like? We want to become Christ-like in his miracles. But are we willing to become Christ-like in his life?
See the gulf? See the problem? Or we're going to make it all even worse today. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get a resolution out of it. And it'll only happen if you start praying right now for God to do something so that we actually get a revelation of the resolution. So with that in mind, Alex Lawrence, this is awesome. These guys are fairly new to the church, although they seem to be pretty well connected already and everything else. Just what a wonderful couple. So Alex, uh, would, you, would you lift up... Uh, by the way, thank you for fixing my computer again. I owe you so much. <laughs> okay. But Alex, would you, uh, you know, lift up the sermon, lift up another church? Our God, our Savior, our love. Thank you. Put the mic closer, yeah. Thank you for for our trials and for for teaching us about empowerment, God. Thank you for taking your body and lifting them up, and I pray that you put your words in Kurt's mouth this morning. And Father, we pray for those churches in persecution and those sons and daughters of yours in jail. We pray that you'd be with them intimately and deeply. God, that we you would you would use them. You would show them why you put them there. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. We're good. We're good. Okay. We're going to read the passage that we read last week. We're going to read the passage that's like the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to read a passage that we're all very familiar with to the point of comfort, to the point that we don't actually read what's in the words. So I need you to take off those glasses that allow us to see fuzzily, and I need us to see plainly and clearly what the words actually say, okay? Note where Jesus starts on this section. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Let me paraphrase that into what we're talking about right now. Here's what we're saying. If we're all patting each other on the back, about the fact that we're doing pretty well in Christ, the chances are really huge that we're actually not doing the thing that God is wanting us to do. And that we've deceived ourselves into this pharisaical place. Do you see it? Okay, you see how he sets it up? You see how he starts it? See? That you know, look, they, those people, when they were going after false prophets, they didn't think they weren't prophets of God. They're not talking about Baal and, all, Baal and all that kind of stuff. What they're talking about is people that came in the name of the Lord, and they said, yep, you're from the Lord. And then the other guy came, and they said, you're not. And then they killed the ones that were from God. See? Okay? So we're capable of thinking that we're right in God and not be. Oh, oops, what happened there? But to you who are willing to listen, what an, what an interesting way for Jesus to say that, isn't it? You know what I mean? Look, look, everybody's got it wrong, but you know, if you really want to hear, <laughs> do you really want to listen? Do you really want to pay attention? Doesn't that make you want to pay attention right now? <laughs> if you really want to hear, then here's what I'm telling you. I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now let me, I'm going to parse this a little bit because I want us to understand something. Do good to those who hate you. We don't do good to those who hate us. We bomb them. They did this. 
And so we did it back. Now, hang in there for a second. This is Veterans Day, and I'm going to bring this around. But I just want us to be confronted with something, okay? So just hang in there with me, if, all right? Here's what he's saying. He said, when he says, bless those who curse you, he's not just saying, pronounce a blessing on them. Oh, would you please find Christ? He's saying, as Justine pointed out last week, bless is actually means doing something for them actually doing something for them to bless them, right? It's not just from afar, I'm going to pray for you. It means actually go and get involved and do something good, like the guy did. See what I mean? Bring a blessing. Is God saying that I'm supposed to, see what I mean? Uh... He's saying I'm supposed to do something good for him. This is a, right after this, he'll cut that guy's head off. Am I supposed to do a good thing for him? You know who these people are. This is in Mumbai, the, the hotel. This next image, I'm supposed to do good to people that do this. Teach children hate. We've seen these images. They've become commonplace, right? Do you think about doing good for them? Is that what you think? I can tell you what we do is we think I'll pray for them, right? We can think that they're deceived and that, oh, if they would just find Christ, and we can do that. But here's what we're not doing. That's, that's not the fullness of what he told us. He said do good for them. Bless them. the heck does that mean? <laughs> now watch, the juxtaposition to, to Veterans Day. Understand something. See, we're talking about something, and we've got to always remember there's a big Bible, right? And we've got we've to understand things in context of the whole of the Bible. Something in its own, off on its own, isn't consistent with the Scripture, isn't Scripture. It isn't a proper interpretation of Scripture. So we have to understand something. You know, does that mean that God says never, you know, just let Islamic radicals take over the country? Is that what we're saying here? Right? Bless them, do good by them. Hey, come on in. Is that what God's saying? Over and over in the scripture, God has people that are in wickedness be wiped out by other people in war. So this happens. Uh, it would be very difficult to look at the Revolutionary War, to look at the World War I, World War II. It would be very difficult to look at wars that we fought, which, by the way, weren't on our soil. We went to Europe and fought battles. Right? Revolutionary War, of course, was here. But it'd be very difficult to look at those wars and not see the hand of God in them all over the place. Blessing, you don't, it's hard until you're a historian to understand how close we came to losing all those battles. The victory was not certain whatsoever. In fact, the opposite was true. And then somehow God did miracles and real miracles in the, in the affairs of mankind to change things. So we have to understand something. There is something of a balance out there, right? He's not just saying, let them have whatever they want. It's evil, and he's, right? But, but, then, but then how do we juxtapose those things? Maybe there's a revelation to be had by looking at the video and understanding the persecuted church the way that he did. Who would think that the way to win is by being killed? Well, Christ, for one, right? 
who has then led countless others to do the same, to go in and to be a blessing, to help people. And because they helped people, because they were there preaching Christ, other people hated them and killed them. And we have story after story after story after story about God using that in some fashion to turn the whole situation around for him. Right? So there's something in there that's important, right? Let's go a little bit deeper here. I say love your enemies, do good to those, bless those, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, the other, the other one. So last week, Justine said, I've never been hit in the face. Guys, how many people have been hit in the face here? Guys, just guys. Guys, all right, now, you who have testosterone boiling in your blood, would you like to tell me what, it, what happens in your body when you get hit in the face? Because the last thing that happens is, here, have the other one. Okay, you want to give them something. <laughs> and almost, almost reflexively and uncontrollably, testosterone, fight or flight, most guys fight. Right? And that, that those hormones will kick in as soon as you are punched or slapped or anything, and you want to kill. <laughs> Isn't that right? So... This is a pretty big thing, but now look at this one. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt. Give to anyone who asks when things are taken away from you. Don't try to get them back. Here's what this means. If somebody's robbing your house and you catch them, help them carry your goods to the car. Do you see it? Am I wrong? Because that's what it says. And we need to deal with that. In fact, do to others as you would like them to do. You know, I've, the other way I've always read that until this week, I've always read that is, you know, we're friends and I'm going to do good by you and you're going to do good by me. Right? Because we're friends. Because we like each other. Right? You're a blessing and we're going to do right by each other. Right? I mean, that, isn't that what you always thought it meant? Right? But you do realize that this is coming on the heels of loving your enemies, and then what comes right after it is this. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. You know what? Can I say something about this whole love thing? I wasn't loving people to get anything, to get credit in heaven. Do you see that? I wasn't, this, this scripture almost doesn't make sense to me. I was loving people because love is its own reward. I wasn't trying to get anything in heaven for it. Do you see that? Which is exactly the point. Has anybody seen this campaign that's running around on Facebook right now, which is marriage is not for me? You seen this, right? Well, don't say anything then because it'll spoil it for other people, okay? But here's, here's what this guy's saying. He's been married a year and a half, and he writes a blog, and he said, marriage is not for me. Now, what does that mean? When you hear that, it's almost impossible for your brain not to go to. I tried marriage for a year and a half. Singleness is better. I like doing what I was doing before. Marriage is not for me. I'm giving it up. That's what, it, that's what that means. That's what those words mean, right? Well, here's what this guy actually says in the blog. He says, after being married for a year and a half and thinking initially that this was going to be a really big blessing to me, I discovered that what it was really about was being a blessing to my wife, my spouse. Marriage is not for me. It's for the other person. And the way that this passage will say this very thing, and something we'll look at a little bit more detail tomorrow, 
but it says it this way. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. If we live our lives in a way that is for ourselves, what will we get? That. If we live our lives in a way that is for other people, for his kingdom, what will we get back? Multiplied. For eternity. Let me say it this way. The kingdom of God is not for me. Now, stop and consider that for just a second because what I just said is not true in almost anybody's heart here right now. The kingdom of God is not for me. What do you mean it's not for me? Of course it's for me. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God for everything God's done from the kingdom of God for me, right? Save me, change me. I did all kinds of things. This is awesome. The kingdom of God is all for me. Very real question right now. What if, when you come to know Christ, what if his calling on your life is simply to be a sacrificial lamb? What if the kingdom of God is for you in the sense that he wants to bring you into it and he's got eternity for you, just like Dan said? You know what I mean? Nobody can take this away from me. My home is not here on earth. It is in heaven, and nobody can take that away from me. But what if what our lives are about when we're here is truly not for you? What if it's about actually expanding God's kingdom? (laughs) What if it's about doing that instead? Because he'll go on to say, if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. You see what he's saying? He's saying, where are you storing up your treasure? What are you about? Are you about things that bring you pleasure and bring you peace and bring you whatever? And yes, you do some good and godly things too. But is your life primarily about comfort and about enjoyment and about pleasure and about, and I don't mean bad pleasure even, right? What's your life about? Because what he's saying here is, is if you lend money only to those who repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend to other sinners for a full return. And so what I'm telling you to do is to love your enemies. He comes back to it. You see how hard he's getting on it? Love your enemies. Do good to them. What does good mean? He's not giving us a practical example of what it means. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. To your enemies. The people that are trying to curse you, that are trying to hurt you, that are trying to kill you. Give them money. Huh? (sighs) Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High God. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. I can love those who are wicked. And I consider that to be a kindness. But the things he's actually telling me to do for him, I can't do. So three weeks in a row now, the preacher's standing up here talking to you about what God's trying to tell us are saying, I can't do what he's asking me to do. I think there's probably a key in that. I can't do it. Somebody can, but not me. Somebody who wants to help me do it. But you must be compassionate just as your father's compassionate. And so in a section, we're, gonna, we're skipping over a section and we're getting to this place. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? 
I'll show you what someone's like who comes to me. Here's my words and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the river crashed against it in that house. And, uh, that house and it couldn't shake it because it was well built. The one who hears and does not act is like a person who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. So the thing that we're dealing with today is why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? <laughs> That's the question that I'm going to start with in a discussion that we're going to have right now. Because honest to goodness, I want, I want us to be wrestling with this in our own souls. I could actually have worked on this and gotten a revelation from God and told you something nice that you'd remember, and then, you know, five minutes later, you couldn't even remember it at lunch. So this thing that we're doing with the discussion thing, may I just say, I really need you to understand, we're doing this for a reason. We're doing this so that we own these things more deeply. In the rabbinical culture, here's what they did. The, the guys that were being trained to be rabbis would copy the word all day long so that they really knew the word. So the word was being ingrained in them. You know how hard it is to copy the word? You know how much you've got to think about it and process what it's actually saying? They weren't just trying to make duplicates. They were pondering every word as they wrote it down, letting it sink into their heart and inform them. And then what would happen is they would break for dinner, and then during dinner, the rabbis would start using Socratic method. It would, they were before Socrates, but bottom line, they would start using Socratic method, which is to say they wouldn't tell them what the words meant. They would start saying, so there's this challenge in the word here. It says to give every, to everybody. Are you doing that? Well, then how do you do it? It says to love your enemies. It says do good with them. It says to do all these things, but yet they're trying to kill us, and how do we reconcile that? When we do these discussions, I, I want to say something. I think it would be very helpful to create the proper expectation. The expectation is, think about it more like a seminar class. That when we're doing these discussions, what we're trying to do is, we're not just having an open-ended discussion. We are trying to drive to a revelation. We're trying to drive to a point. We're trying to drive to a place where God reveals something. And here's what I really believe more strongly than ever before because as I've watched, as we're experimenting with this, and we're still experimenting with it, but as we're experimenting this, what I'm seeing is there's a communal knowledge that God is trying to bring, and when it happens, there's a better revelation than anybody could ever speak just as one person. It's richer, deeper, more practical, a whole nine yards. There's a communal knowledge that he wants to bring out, and so I say one last thing before we start the discussion, and that's this. There's a lot of people in here that are very deep thinkers and you will never raise your hand. Lovingly, you are depriving God's body of the gift that he gave you to give to us. You are thoughtful. You have something to contribute. And if you're too nervous to, this is a safe place and I'm just going to encourage you, get over it. Don't deprive God's body of the revelation that we need in order to grow. So again, as I've said, I'm going to be careful about who I pick. And people that tend to talk quite a bit, I might not be choosing you. That's not because they don't like you. It's because I'm trying to get some of these other voices out, okay? And we only do have so much time, and we don't have a ton of time again. But bottom line, we're going to do this for a second. So with that in mind, I just, I'm asking you this question. You know what? Let me start with another question because it's just a little easier. Just raising your hands. How many people after Justine's sermon that heard it last week, how many people went out and actually did something different because of the sermon? Actually have a story to tell because of what you did. Raise your hands, would you? Okay. Did you raise your hand a second ago? Okay. How many people actually went out and did something different? Raise your hands. Okay. Uh, Serenity? Can somebody get a mic back to Serenity? Uh, all the way in the back. 
She's got her hand up, okay? What'd you do and why? And how? And what was it? And, and thanks for brevity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a friend. You've got to stand up. Sorry. I have a friend who um, doesn't really like to take care of his kid very much, and his kid is kind of a handful. And I don't like it when he asks me to take care of his kid because his kid is kind of a handful. Um, and I specifically took his kid so that he could have a half-hour break um, on Friday night, which I contemplated doing beforehand, and I really didn't want to do it because I knew that I felt like he was taking advantage of me. But I remember God gives the ungrateful. It's, it's kind to the ungrateful. And, yeah. you know, I felt like I should was do that. Was it a blessing? Yeah, it was a blast. The kid was great. It was so much fun. Okay, <laughs> now because I want us to get into deep places here today, and I actually have a couple of things, I'm going to, I just, I just want to say, how many people had an opportunity? Can we just be honest for a second? I'd just love to see this real answer. How many people had an opportunity? Thank you so much, Jeff. I love you. How many people had an opportunity? We're not going to do any questions on the answers. But how many people had an opportunity to do something different? And you knew God was kind of prompting you and because of the sermon and you didn't do it. How many people? I'm raising my hand on purpose because I'm one of those people. You see that? Okay, now there was a whole lot of opportunities. There was a whole lot of God moments, kingdom moments that were denied. Now it's not to make anybody feel guilty. We're learning in this. I think God has enormous grace on us and, which is why he's given us such favor in what we're doing because he knows that we're trying to break new ground. Now it's unbelievable that we're breaking new ground on something that's so fundamentally Christian. But that's kind of the point, isn't it? 2,000 years, we've sort of strayed awfully far off the point. So, so now, here's the question that I'm, I'm really going after. Why don't we? We're going to get even deeper than that. But just, just right now, why do you think we don't do this stuff? Okay? And what I'm, what I'm asking for is not, this is how I reconcile. Well, that'd be all right, too, I guess. But, but you know what I mean? Go ahead, Babette. Okay? And you gotta, you got to say your name and then talk, okay? Because I know most people's names this is are not Babette, all. And I don't think we do it because it's asking too much of us. And we're afraid that if we give what we have, it's not going to, what we have remaining is not going to be enough for us. Huh. I think this is an excellent insight. Anybody else? Jeff? You guys are going to want to, yeah. Okay, thanks. Jeff, go ahead. No, it's coming. We want to capture it on the tape. Um, Go ahead and turn around. So, uh, you ever read that book or seen the show Screwtape Letters? And Screwtape talks about how it's a London bus that distracts. That's all that he needs to distract people from reading the Bible. Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> yeah. For, for me, it's, it's all of those little, tiny, insignificant things. I, I was at a coffee shop, and I just felt this little stirring like I should buy a cup of coffee based on, you know, Justine's sermon. I just, I was remembering that, and I felt like there's this uh, older couple, and they just kind of looked sad and down, and I thought, you know, maybe I should buy them a cup of coffee, but I was late to go see a movie with my friend, so I didn't, and it's all those little tiny things that just That's eat good. away at me doing what I know is right. Anybody else got one more of these? Go ahead, Bruce. I'm Bruce. Um, I think uh, Justine said it um, when she was giving her sermon. Um, God doesn't quite understand the situation that I'm in. 
and I think I got a better way of doing it. I can <laughs> tweak it just a little bit and make it almost work. So close call, but uh, a little bit different. Don't you understand what I'm dealing with here? Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's is that's how we think. Does anybody remember when we did, you know, we did our service day, and then we went and did the church on the park, and Bob Goff, and Bob Goff wrote a book. What's it called? Love leaks. Is that what it's called? Love does. Love does. Same thing. Okay. <laughs> Love leaks. Nah, that wouldn't be the same thing. Nah. <laughs> oh boy, I got all kinds of images. I got to get out of my mind right now. So. So the point is, is, is he said, I put my telephone number in the back of the book, and the publisher said, you can't do that. And Bob said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And not only am I going to put my number in the back of the book, but every time it rings, I'm going to answer it, if there's any chance whatsoever that I can. He said it's probably cost him millions of dollars. But what he was also saying was it opened up avenues, and it opened up things in my life every way that you can go. I'd have to say for about a day, I tried to answer the phone, if I could, every time it rang. That lasted about a day. Because I didn't feel like I could get anything done that I needed done. But you know what I did start becoming sensitive to? I started noticing that I was at a place in the, say, writing the sermon. And boy, it's really hard. It's a chess game, right? And I started noticing all of a sudden that the phone ring came at the time that I probably should have taken a break. But I was trying to push through because I wanted to get it done. Uh, there's something here. I want just a couple more just a thoughtful reply, you know, how can we start doing it? See what I mean? How can we start moving to people that will actually do these things that God's leading us to do? Go ahead. Just who's got something on that? Okay, go ahead, Larry. That's awesome. My name's Larry Worlius. I was a vet, stood up, and the film gave me an analogy of the church versus a platoon that you saw in the film. And they're all marching down the field. They're all in unison. They look great. But there's a lot of people in that army that haven't achieved the ability to march like that. And there are, like in the church, we're the same way. There are people here that are marching in unison but some aren't quite there yet, and you don't feel that you're ever going to achieve it. In that platoon that you saw, there are platoon leaders at the front of each line. There are platoon leaders in this church. Some of the people that are in line are doing things to support everybody else, like a potato peeler or a latrine cleaner, and there are those people here too that serve in different, different capacities to make this church unity. So in the film, what I was seeing was you don't see the people that are working in the church or in the, in the army that are serving because they, they haven't quite got there yet. And that's what the Lord is teaching each of us, how to become part of the whole unit. That's awesome. I, I want to say this is spoken by a guy who, sorry to take your crown from heaven, but... Uh, this is by a guy who prayed and felt like the Lord said, give the church a certain number of hours, and he comes in and just does whatever Julie wants for a certain number of hours every single week, and it has changed Julie's life. So I want to thank you for that. And, and I want to say that I, I bear witness to what you're saying in the sense that in the end, God's, God's desire is, is that we all become platoon leaders. 
that we all become the kind of people that are actually doing it and able to do it and able to do it in such a way as that it'll help others to do it, right? I mean, that is the goal. And right now, looking around and finding people that are doing it and coming next to them and getting some mentoring from them, that's an excellent thing to be doing. So let's go with another one. Go ahead. And then we're going to do something different, and then we're going to wrap it up. Go ahead. Hello, I'm Hannah. So just to answer a couple of your questions, one, um, I think we all feel like we have very busy lives, right, with the current way life is. And so sometimes it's really hard for me to feel like I want to do something special or go out of my way for someone who, in my opinion, it's like I feel like they don't deserve it, right? Yeah. Life's hard. It takes a lot for me to continuously make good choices every day, all day long, right? That's just a reality, right, of being human. And so sometimes it feels like, gosh, if someone's continuously not making good choices, I'd rather spend my time helping someone that is in need that makes good choices, right? Sure, sure you when it's actually interesting because I'm a people pleaser and in my life that's really important to make me feel kind of worthy to constantly help people and, and look out for others. So what I've found though is that there's been probably a handful of times in my career where I've come upon people that I really don't like and they just make my blood boil and they make a lot of poor choices that seems like are very intentional and in the moments where I just decided, you know what, I have to work with this person every day. I don't want this to be a miserable experience. And I just decided I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to do whatever it takes to win them over and just try to, like this, this gentleman said in the video, be their friend. And I'm going to make all the sacrifices and I'm happy to do it. Those people every single time came around and they had a change of heart. And talk about like changing my heart and feeling like I made an impact in someone's world. And I think we're all going through challenges and troubles, and we all have them in our own levels. But it's like, if you can just take that sacrifice, you can make a true difference in another person That's right. and have that change of heart, which they then, sometimes I've seen, they have that change of heart towards others, and you can make a real wave. So sure. I guess to know that it can yeah. make a difference. I, want, um, I want us to, thank you, Hannah. Thank you. That's awesome. I want us to do something right now. I want you to close your eyes. And we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for, we're going to play longer than you want to. Longer than what's comfortable. And if you pray in the Spirit, do so silently to yourself. But I want you to pray in the Spirit. And here's what I want you to do. We're having a good discussion, but I believe that the Lord's going to show us something here because I believe this is what he told me to do. And, and what we're going to do is I want you to start looking for what would the Lord have you to share in this discussion. See what I'm saying? I'm asking you to pray and ask him, in the spirit, what would he have you to share? So just start doing that now for a second, would you please?
right now. That's one minute. Seemed like a lot longer than that, didn't it? That was a timed one minute. That was a couple seconds over, sorry. Who has something they want to share now that they felt like the Lord had? Joy. And then we'll come back over to you, Sandy. Um, so it was just interesting, before we started praying, God kind of put something in my heart about, you know, sometimes we need to make those almost laughably small changes when you're like, it's just the, really? I'm going to brush my teeth three minutes earlier? Like, it's no big deal. And then when we prayed, God showed me this vision of this man who's on a hike, he's got a compass, and he's ready to go, and he said it's a degree change. You know, when you're marching along and you're, you have your compass in front of you and you look in front, you're still looking. You're like, oh, oops, I need to go southwest. So you kind of just, you know, you just kind of shuffle your feet and just kind of shuffle. And it is that laughably small degree change when you're in that moment. But then if you keep marching and following that path, all of a sudden you look back where you could have been if you had stayed not looking at your compass. And if you looked at your compass and just made that little bit you're going in the direction that Now, you're going to see in five minutes that that's a word right from the Lord. You watch this. In five minutes when I tell you how we're ending this thing, you're going to see that that was, that was so much from God. It's just amazing. Sandy, do you have a mic? Yeah. Thanks, guys. God said um, to me, take the challenge. And what I heard him mean was, the next time he prompts me to do something like buy a cup of coffee for those couple is not to have an excuse not to, but do it. Yeah. Once again, right from the Lord, Rich, go ahead. I just want to say, even in the worship period, Kevin said something, and I said, A, you already do it, and B, the next time he prompts you to do it, just do it. Just, just do it. Is, is it going to work out every time? Of course not. But just do it. Lance, we're coming to you next. Go ahead. Rich? Yeah, Richard Bixby. Um, Stand up. Sorry. I know it's hard for you, Rich. I should have not had you do it. Sorry. Okay. It's okay. The outcome doesn't matter. All you have to do is do what you're supposed to do. That's right. Um, Paul says in Corinthians, what? One guy waters, another guy sows. Right. Which is to say, the outcome's in his hands, and you may not ever see anything of it. Which is just perfect, Lance. Somebody else, too. Okay? We'll come to you next, Mike, and then we'll come back. Hi, I'm Lance. Uh, what came to me was that it's the world's wisdom that's getting in our way. It's like we're trying to conform what God wants into what we understand about the world. It's like, well, the world says it's an eye for an eye. So wow. that means, well, I'm going to hate those who hate me. Like, how do wow. we? And as long as we're trying to fit God into that mold, it's just going to keep getting in our way when, it, when we want to perfect. give to someone. And when it comes perfect. to changing someone's heart, if you're doing the same thing everyone else does, you can't reach that person that hates you. Like that's, you have to lay down yourself first. And so, yeah, so the result is, is what we're supposed to be doing is just whatever he tells us to do, and then we're just supposed to be doing it the way that he tells us to do it. We're just supposed to be obedient. We're not the ones that know, right? We're just the ones that do, Okay. So I, I, who did I say I was coming to next? Mike and then Cheryl, okay? Hi, my name's Mike. Um, I fall into the category of should have but didn't. 
And you know, unfortunately, my kids know somebody comes up and asks me for money or something, I don't give it. What a poor message to be teaching my kids. So I'm driving through Renton the other day, and I saw a guy with one of those signs. Um, I, what it said is irrelevant. I need something. And I thought, you know what? You should make a U-turn. Go back to McDonald's, grab a burger, and give it to this guy. But I didn't do it. And I knew that I should have done it. So, yeah. you know, here maybe next time I'll take that one extra step and I'll make that U-turn. Thank you, Mike. Um, and, you know, maybe Thank I'll you. do different next now, time. I want you to see something. When I had everybody pray, did you see, you see how many more hands are popping up now? Everybody prayed and asked the Lord something. Keep that in your mind because we're just about to go to it. Go ahead, Cheryl. I was encouraged when you said you not, might not know the outcome. That tripped my switch because... Uh, I was at my house praying in the morning, and I asked God to let me bless somebody I didn't know. And then I went for my normal exercise, which is in the park next door. Sure enough, circled the park, and there was a homeless person <laughs> sitting on a bench. And I looked at him and thought, he's really big. I don't know. <laughs> you know? I mean, you've got to think these things through a little bit, you know? So anyway, the Lord said to me, make him lunch. So I went home, made him lunch, and brought it back. Wow. Even in the middle of that, I was thinking, Lord, don't let him follow me home. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are thoughts you have. I understand. You know? I understand. But anyway, I made him the lunch, blessed him, said, I hope you have a good day the rest of the day. Did you get a chance to talk to him? Just a little bit because he was asleep when I came back. Okay. <laughs> and I had to wake him up to give the lunch. Okay. You know, so he was kind of okay. groggy and stuff, and he was kind of looking at me like, who okay. are you? So anyway, I gave him lunch. I said something like, the Lord bless you today. And then I left. But I'll never know what that did. I get it. That's what I'm saying. Here, here's what I want to do right now, because we, we're out of time. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up. We could really go a lot deeper and a lot. I want you to see something, what happened, though, right there. The first word that came, this compass thing. And then several others, and then we started going back into a more, right? But, but here's what I want you to do. We prayed. God quickened. And he spoke. Something came out of it that was valuable. Now watch where we're going here. Okay? I, I want you to do, how many people know what treasure hunting is? Here's what treasure hunting is, real simple. Okay? I mean spiritual treasure hunting, not the one where you go for gold or diamonds. Here's what you do. We're done, guys. So here's what you do. You, and ushers, get ready, because we're about to pass out a bunch of stuff to you. In fact, let me say this and then start coming up, but give me one second to get this out before everybody gets distracted. Here's what treasure hunting is. We're, doing, we're not doing treasure hunting, by the way, but we're doing something similar to it. What treasure hunting is, you get a group of people together and you pray all of, all of you together, and then here's what you do. You say, God, quicken me to who it is you want me to talk to before you go out. And they might get an image of a flower, they might get a red shirt, or they might get a word about a person that's in a certain state, or they get something, not just yet, guys. But you see what I mean? They'll get something in their mind about what this is, and then they'll go out into the, right, into the marketplace, into the mall, wherever they're going, right? And then all of a sudden, they see somebody that has on that red shirt they saw in their vision. See? And then what are you supposed to do? Well, let me put it this way. How many of you are comfortable walking up to somebody just that you have no idea who they are and everything else, walking to them saying, hi, how are you doing? I'm a Christian and I'd like to talk to you. How many of you are uncomfortable with doing that? Uncomfortable. Yeah, everybody, right? Right? Okay. Do you think you might be more comfortable if God actually gave you an image that you now see? 
So the person that you're going up to, you were actually thinking, wow, maybe he actually like sent them, sent me to them and them to me, that he's making the connection, so that you could go up and you'll figure out how to do it as you get better at it. You can go up and in a very, it's always going to be awkward, but in a less and less awkward way, that you can go up and say, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, I'm a Christian and I was praying and God gave me this thought about somebody in a red shirt and man it's exactly the red shirt you got and can I just ask you can I pray for you is there anything that you need is there anything I can do for you I, I don't know maybe there's nothing okay and if, if it is I'm so sorry to be interrupting you but but can I just ask you is there something that I could be doing for you now you may do that three four five times and nothing comes of it and that's going to be awkward and hard but what about the one time that you walk up to somebody and they say Uh, there was a video that I wanted to show at this point in time, but I decided not to, about a guy, uh, one of these guys that goes around and, and gives money away at Secret Santa, and CBS News was following him. And they got to a heroin addict, and the heroin addict basically said, I'm going to get this wrong a little bit, but the heroin addict basically said, the wife came to the heroin addict and said, you know, you need God. You need God in your life. You need God. And he said for the first time in his life, I don't really think that he's there, but you know, if he is, he's the only one that's going to be able to help me. And the secret Santa came up to him and said, I'm supposed to give you money. To a heroin addict. I'm supposed to give you money. And the guy just broke down and wept. I just said a prayer. I just said, if you're real, show me that you're real. I need you. See it? How many people are walking around out there where God had a divine moment planned and we didn't move? So they didn't get that moment. Right? Not to guilt but to go after this thing. So here's what we're doing. Go ahead, ushers. See that? You're going to get a postcard and, and two. Every person's going to get a postcard and two. Take, so take one postcard and take two of the business size cards. And here's what I want you to do with them. I want you to literally put that, like on your door when you're walking out, if you go out the garage door, if you go out the front door, whichever door you go out all the time for work and go out, right? Whatever door it is you go out all the time, would you stick the postcard size one up right by the door? Would you tape it to the door and would you do, this is coming back to that word that you gave joy. Would you stop and do exactly what we just did in the prayer time? I don't mean, I don't mean think about, oh yeah, God has somebody for me and then just walk on. I mean stop. I, we prayed for one minute. Can, do you got a minute? Pray for one minute and ask, Lord, show me or tell me something that will help me recognize. Do you see it? that will help me recognize who you want me to reach out to as I go out. See? Pray. Ask for a vision. Ask for a thought. Ask for something that's going to help you recognize the divine moment that Christ has for you. Do you see it? So that we're emboldened to actually go out and do it. Does this, does this seem like it could help? How many people would say, this seems like that could actually help me find out where God is? Do you believe it is? Okay, well then don't just raise your hand. Take the postcard and tape it right by your door. If, you, if you're in a workplace where you can get away with it, just tape it by the door as you're going out the workplace. So that as you're going out there, you see the stop sign and you stop. <laughs> That's what we all do, right? We're conditioned. 
I hope all the young guys in the place are saying, what's a stop sign? <laughs> you get the point, though, right? Stop. For one minute, pray in the Spirit. Ask the Lord to reveal to you. Who's this person? Who's this opportunity that you have for me as I go out? Do you see it? Do you want to say something? We'll give her a mic real quick, and then we're, gonna, then we're wrapped up. I just want to add to that that you don't have to go out to do this. There might be a child in your household. There might be a spouse. There might be someone who comes to your door. You don't have to leave your house. True that. Because sometimes the ministry is with the people you're in community with, yeah. and that's where it starts, and it's the richest. And I yeah. think that's really important to add. Yeah. So, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, this congregation comes before you. And having been quickened to you telling us what you actually said, as opposed to what we've interpreted to mean and say all these years, as you're now telling us what you're actually saying, and as we really do not know how to reconcile the gulf, we really don't still, we're asking you in Jesus' holy and precious name that you would come right now and speak to us. We're asking you that you would come right now and quicken us. We're asking that you would come and that you would start to move us. We do not want to be hearers and build our house in a dangerous place, not even being aware of it, and a storm comes and it falls down and the ruin is great. We want to be people that have dug that thing deep and that actually are allowing ourselves to be transformed in your image and fullness. And so just as you went out, Jesus, and you did what the Father was showing you, and you said what the Father was telling you, we want to be those people. We recognize now in repentance that we have not been those people, and that that has not only broken our lives, but it has helped lead to a broken world. And so we take our finger and we take this bottom cup in which is this bread, we put our finger in there and we break it, saying we know that we have broken the world our lives and the world. We've stolen from ourselves and from others. And now we come to the example of you on the cross, to the healing that is you on the cross. And we take this together and we say, in your stripes, we are made whole. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, make us whole. Take together, would you? And now, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we take this cup in which is the life that you have already purchased for us with your blood. And we say, God, make that our lives. In Jesus' holy and precious name, take this cup together, saying, God, help me to enter into the fullness of the life that you've already purchased for me. Ushers, thank you for coming forward. You guys were on to something here. Can you feel it? There's something happening here that's very important. It's going to work if everybody gets involved. If everybody waits for somebody else to do it, it's never going to happen. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, even right now, as this is a first fruit Sunday, really, well, it's not, but it is, but anyway. 
I just ask you in Jesus' holy and precious name that you would bring us into the fullness that you have, that only you have. That in Jesus' holy and precious name, you should take us where you want us to be. Get our hearts, our lives behind you now, even as we are obedient to the tithe and the offering. A little thing. But it's a little step that leads to a big truth. So get us lined up even now. In Jesus' name.